despair. Only when I'm with you. Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolak, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way from across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon, is the gold standard in ghost hunting himself, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Forgot the big in Japan bit tonight as well. Twenty-four. Yeah, I, uh, we've had the figures back for the second documentary. First documentary, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. sixteen million. Second documentary, sit back, twenty-four million. Twenty-four million. What? Yeah, did you know that's almost more than the entire viewing figures for the whole series of Most Haunted? They're Japanese. They don't know any better. Yeah, they do know better. They're very educated people. Yeah, well, they're obviously hey, I, very educated people because they were watching us and not reruns about. Well, you know, once they get a hold of uh, some of the shows from the United States, it'll, you know, you'll be uh, just a, a what like ha- past what? Yeah, Zach, Zach Bacon and the Haunted Collector. No, no, no. We have much better one now. I, I actually caught this show the other day. They were blowing up ghosts with explosives. So yeah, I mean, it's been the uh, camera flash. Oh yeah, you told me this. Yeah, one, yeah. This, yeah that wasn't intentional though. Boom. This was intentional. Doesn't this matter. <laughs> of course it does. Why don't Do we know, ask somebody who actually? Well, knows if you go back, if you go, and not well, if you go, well, well, that, 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 blah, well let's blah, not blah. talk about just blowing them up. Don't forget that for hundreds of years, people have been taking pot shots at them as well. Yeah, I do know that. That people, there have been many, many reports of people shooting at ghosts. But anyways, let's ask somebody who really who knows, knows about ghosts, ghosts and, and not just about the stuff. Well, that's not okay? that rule. Let's ask somebody who deals well, with you me out, all the time, and that would be our guest, Mr. Barry John. He's a medium. He should know this stuff. Hi, Barry. Hi, how are you guys? I'm, I'm laughing Good. my head off at you two. I really am, because I'm not going to get a word in edgeways, am I? Probably oh, oh yes, you are. You are. You are. As long as we can keep Parsons <laughs> with his lips, you know, lip, loose lips sink ships. Well, you know, he evidently never learned that, but that's besides the point. So, so Barry, can you blow up a ghost? Um, I don't know, to be honest. You know what? It's, it's one of the things I've never, ever thought about. It's probably one of the last things on my mind, you know. Um, I suppose, I don't know. Would I want to answer that? I don't I really don't know. You can put me on the spot now with that one. I suppose there's some great stories, isn't there, about it? It's, you, it was actually Ron, like you, said, you said he was an expert. You said he was an <laughs> yes. expert, knows everything. Well, that's your first answer. That. I yeah. don't know. No, I, Ron did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I, mean, so Barry, I, suppose I suppose it's an interesting one to explore, isn't it? I mean, how many people have actually seen a ghost? That's the other thing, isn't it? Right. It begs an interesting question, though, because if you blow up a living person, obviously you catapult them into the afterlife. What happens if you do blow up a ghost? Where do you catapult them to? To probably... the real life. He'll become a person. But anyways, let me give you the backstory in this. And, and I really would like 
your comments on it, Barry. I know it's on the spot, and I do appreciate you yeah. asking it. And it's all hypothetical because whatever. Anyways, this uh, hillbilly ghost hunting group, uh, like our people at the station here, and um, anyways, they captured a ghost in the Devil's Toy Box, which is a box that has all mirrors on all sides so the ghost went in got confused and stuck in the box so then they took the box out to the calm down there mr parsons sounds like an episode of lizard lick towing took it out to the woods in the stream and they connected explosives to it and blew it up so that being said let's first of all assume that that they could actually capture a ghost inside a box okay so let's let's give them that um So you deal with spirits because you're a medium and a psychic, Barry. So, I mean, do you, I mean, could we really hurt a ghost? Well, do you know what? I mean, I I suppose really let's look at at it very sensibly. You know, I know we're having a bit of a laugh at the moment, but, you know, seriously, you know, I think at the end of the day, has anybody ever captured a ghost on camera? We don't know because we've got lots of images that people say a ghost, there's visions, there's, the, the godforsaken orbs, whatever you want to call them, you know, and we really do have to be sensible about it, don't we? I mean, if we struggle to catch them on camera, I mean, how the hell are we going to catch one and, and put it in a box? You know, <laughs> and nobody's ever, ever said to me, you know, that I've reached out, oh, and I've touched a ghost and I've actually held the hand or you come and give me a hug or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think for me, I think somebody that says, you know, they've, they've managed to catch a ghost, I think, mm, sorry, guys, you know, I don't actually accept that. Um, okay. I think probably in terms of catching a vision or catching it on film or camera, whatever you want to call it, I'd, I'd agree with. But I think beyond that, you know, and remember, what would you be catching? Because we talk when we talk of ghosts and spirits, we talk of an energy, don't we? And the yes. amount of times that people, you know, say that they've walked through them, they've walked through a ghost, they've walked through an energy field, whatever they want to call it. So it shows me that, you know, I don't know what you'd be trying to grab hold of. It's not like me grabbing hold of a physical person, is it? And blow up. That's a different subject. But, you know, I think, I think really, you know what, probably, probably a little bit far-fetched for me, to tell you the truth. Well, that's the thing. Their theory was that if they put, you know, say they captured it, they believe they captured it in the box. So they put the explosives up and they blew it up. And the idea was to dissipate the energy into the universe. That was their theory behind it. Yeah. So, I I mean, it's, it's, I just can't wrap my head around. I mean, I just sat there and uh, stared at this thing and just couldn't figure out. Well, actually, I think you're both being rather negative here because we have a we have a, a well documented history of people catching ghosts, uh, particularly really? out here, particularly in Wales. Yeah, uh, there used to be uh, back in the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries, there used to be some quite renowned ghost catching preachers uh, here in West Wales and uh, throughout the principality. In fact, um, here in Haverford West, the town I live. Uh, there is a well-documented story of one of these famous ghost catchers who entrapped the ghost that had been haunting a farmhouse uh, in a bottle which was uh, placed under a bridge um, and sealed. And throughout the throughout Wales, and indeed I think in Scotland and Ireland also, we have these very similar stories. So there is a long history within literature 
and folklore of people mm-hmm. catching ghosts. Yeah, also, um, literature and folklore, and they really have it happen. Yeah, but you can see where the root of their idea comes from. Also, Barry, um, there's also a lot of documented accounts of people who have, in fact, uh, had a physical encounter with a ghost, including holding hands, hugging, touching. Uh, quite quite recently, in fact, uh, up, you know, uh, within the last few years, uh, most notably perhaps a British Airways pilot uh, based in Scotland who encountered the uh, spirit of one of his deceased colleagues, another yeah, pilot. Yeah. Um, and now we're, t- now we're talking actually... about something different, though, aren't we? <coughs> now you're talking yeah, about I mean, spirit hands, to a ghost. So... Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are, just I was just clarifying the point you made about people uh, touching ghosts, and there are you know well documented uh, accounts of that yeah, too. Yeah, and, but and you can see I'll... you can see the root of this idea where people get this, you know, this this group in uh, Lizardlick who got this idea that you could entrap a ghost, or probably they got it from a very famous film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then put it in a box. How they then blow it to oblivion and dissipate it through the universe, I, I, I'm not really sure. But trapping okay. ghosts certainly goes back several hundred years. Okay, we wasted way too much time. Yeah, but, but what I'd pick up on there, Steve, is and absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, I would say the difference between a ghost and a spirit, that's the first thing. You know, we talk about an energy when we talk about a ghost. Nobody's ever, for me, nobody's ever physically touched a ghost. What people have said to me about is touching spirit, which are different things. And what we communicate with, or what I communicate with... ...we've got is, is this use of the word ghost and spirit. Although yeah. they are entirely separate entities and well-defined within psychical research, they are, yeah. in everyday parlance, interchangeable. And so when we read the reports, uh, a ghost was captured. We, we don't really know what, what they were actually working with or toward... Yeah, exactly. Uh, ...because of this interchangeable use of wording. Well, yeah, this, is, this was demarked, of course, because well, there we that's are. the latest craze, you know, that's yeah. the latest craze. But anyways, uh, Barry, for those who we don't don't know, you listen to Ghost Chronicles uh, International on Tojanet, Parex, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, your tune-in app, the, whatever. Anyways, uh, Barry uh, is a medium and um, psychic medium, and... He's been a psychic medium most of his life, according to his biography. I, I read about it. And, and one of the interesting things you talk about is table tipping. And, and I found yeah. that uh, interesting. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, obviously, I, I come from a long line of, of clairvoyance, really. You know, my mother's side were very heavily into their clairvoyant ability and especially working with um, certain religions, let's say, as well, you know, which um, was obviously very important to them. Um, you know, and really for me, you know, I've always had this major fascination since being a child and I've always known that there was something more. I remember my first sort of um, vision, sensations, things that I used to get when I was a very young child, really, of loved ones coming back to visit. So, you know, for me, you know, it's always been part of my life, really. You know, I mean, people always talk to me about Ouija boards, table tipping, glass moving and the things that I've done from being probably 12, 13 years of age. You know, I mean, I used to do tarot cards and um, Ouija board sessions for people, really, I suppose I'd say, you know, as, a, as a, an entertainment fund for people, you know, when they used to come round to their house. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was looking at things like the table tipping, for instance, you know, the family had got some great, great stories when I was younger about 
communicating with the loved ones during the wartime who'd passed over and, you know, they used to have the table flying around the kitchen and, you know, my mum used to read stories like this um, of table levitation. Um, you know, and, and for me, you know, everything in terms of spiritual belief has always been very open, you know, and one of these that, you know, I will always look for reasons why. Um, I don't run around saying everything's paranormal. I don't believe that at all. Um, I think there's a very small percentage of what people get nowadays that probably is paranormal activity, but a very, very small percentage. Um, and I think certainly, you know, we have to go into it with an open mind, exactly like the subject what we were just talking about, about trapping a ghost, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you've got to be open to that. But I mean, table tipping for me, you know, I mean, it's on an event, it's very different because you're trying to demonstrate to people using a very small sort of table in some, some, circ- some circumstances. Um, and when I've been at home previously, you know, I've used like wooden tables that are probably four foot across, you know, and you get a group of people around them and just see what happens really. You know, you, you try and get it, um, wrapping or, or lifting up or tap it really. Did you, Uh, did you do that as a family, uh, um, table tipping? We did. Yeah. I mean, it it was, as I say, it was through mum's line of the family, really. I mean, I always remember my, my, my grandmother, my mother's mother trying to teach me how to read tea leaves years, you know, when I was a youngster. Um, and I could never ever do tea leaves to be honest. You know, all I ever saw was a a lump of sludge in the bottom of a cup. But, um, you know, it was, it was fascinating, you know, and even now my family will come and to my home, you know, and we'll do, um, almost, I suppose, a mini seance, I suppose, really, you know, um, but that's how open we've been, you know, and we've always been brought up with that side of things. You know, my sister's very, um, very clairvoyant as well, you know, and, and, um, I've got a lot of cousins that are on a very similar wavelength and it all seems to be for some reason through mum's line of the family where we get the link. Um, you know, and obviously they were very traditional Scottish family. They were, um, devout Catholics. So it was interesting, you know, seeing where it developed on that side of the family, but not on my father's side of the family. Um, and as I say, you know, it was just something that I suppose really, because the family was very open talking about it, we automatically fell into that route, really. Uh, you, you know, I, I just wish uh, Steve was able to grow up in that type of environment, but he, you know, he lived a, a hard uh, life. Excuse me? Pardon? 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 I didn't. You say something? You, I, did you really just say what I thought you said? I thought I did. Yes. Well, and how many how many years have we been doing this show together now? Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, so you will. So, so you, you will. Go, you grew up table. So tipping. you will know that no, but you will know that I on my father's side there are a great number of spiritualists who ran spiritualist churches and were platform reading mediums. So uh, I also have a a grounding background in in spiritualism. Okay. Which you well know, so I think you were just doing that to act as agent provocateur then. Oh, I love that. I love that when you speak French. Was it just <laughs> one thing yeah, the radio equivalent. On it because of some of the stories about where people were saying they were using them and suddenly they get things attached to them and they take things home and, you know, all these various things really. Right. Um, and I do quite a lot of this for magazines, you know, we do comments on them. But uh, with any tool, you know, I always have this philosophy and... and this open mind in terms of, you know what, people's imaginations just create so many things around them if they're not careful. And the amount of people that, you know, will come on a, an event and then go home and say, oh, I took somebody home and I think, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. What you've done is your imagination's kicked into play. 
and you're now wanting that attention or you're wanting somebody to be with you. So, but, but the article we did, like I said, was, I haven't got it to hand actually. I did have it here in my office, but um, it was about Ouija boards and, and it was really my views on them. You know, and as I said, you know, I've been using them ever since being um, about 12 years of age. So it was interesting to see some of the supposed stories, really, what people were giving it through it, you know, about things attaching to them and people taking things. The sort of 1990s, and there were a great many people with a lot of reservations about going anywhere near the Ouija board. It did have a tremendous, uh, tremendously yeah. bad reputation. But then come the day of Most Haunted and doing, you know, using Ouija boards on TV um, and versions of Ouija boards, spirit boards, angel boards, they actually have become a, a de facto ghost hunting tool now. Um, so they, they've sort of risen and fallen in popularity over years. They were very popular, for example, just uh, through the, the second half of World War I, again into World War II, as people were not only trying to communicate with their deceased uh, family members who'd been killed in the war, but actually active members of their family who were serving overseas. And then throughout sort of the 80s and 90s, they, I think they hit pretty well rock bottom. Um, I think that goes down to courtesy of Hollywood and books like, for example, The Ouija Board, A Doorway to the Occult and Ouija, yeah. The Most Dangerous yeah. Game, which were sort of very, very, you know, anti the... Get the majority of the people. It used to be about 90%. It's probably a little less now, probably about 70, 75%, somewhere there. They, they still think it's... It's evil. So I, I still think it has a connotation. Yeah, it's there is more acceptance, but I, I still think it has that uh, evil connotation to it, and which which makes no sense at all to me. But that's just me. Well, uh, what uh, if we're just on the subject of Ouija boards? Um, I'm reminded of a, of a because it, it's always been legally a game. Um, yeah. And around about t- ten years ago, uh, a company, a famous publisher. Uh, published a, ch- a children's book called Ghost Files, The Haunting Truth. And it was a sort of, uh, they copied the idea from the Ghost Club and from Harry Price and the SPR and put it into, a, uh, I-, I guess, a sort of interactive book for people interested in, in, children interested in looking for ghosts. And rather strangely, at the back of the book, they included a pull-out Ouija board and planchette. And the, the book hit the bookshelves for about a week before uh, the fundamentalists revolted and the book was withdrawn from sale. Um, and very, very few of them exist now. Uh, but it's a really, you know, this sort of, it's the perfect children's book until you pull out the Ouija board at the back of it. And, and do you know what? That, I think that's an important fact, Steve, what, you, what people have to think about is, you know, it was sold also as a toy for children, you know. And I remember America, you know, used to be able to buy fluffy pink ones for girls and... You know, it, it was one. a real, you know, Toys R Us, I remember over here in the UK, used to sell them as well, yeah. up, up until a point. And it was, it was a parlour game. But let's be honest, you know, even table tipping, glass moving, were all introduced as parlour games, really. That's right. Um, you know, and it was a novelty, really, to get everybody round to the house to, let's say, have a little bit of fun, you know, and that's what it was used for. Like you said, you know, especially during the war times. And near me, there's... Um, not too far from where I live, I've got Newstead Abbey, and in Newstead Abbey is a wonderful little church, a healing church, and it's renowned for apporting objects, and, you know, you can go up once a year and they'll show you all the objects that's been apported through spirit. 
But there was stories that during the wartime they used to sit in their circle and put loaves of bread into like prisoner of war camps. And obviously, <laughs> I don't know how true it is. I don't know if it's legitimate. But they're the stories what they'll give to you, you know. And it's fascinating when you hear those sort of things. It really is. And it, go on, sorry. I was just, uh, I think Ron was actually about to ask, but then he, he dropped out. Ron, uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, but it's still available in the States as a toy in some branches of Toys R Us, isn't it? Of course, it's it's absolutely. And as, yeah. uh, as, as Barry mentioned, the pink one, I do have that. I have uh, the uh, Bobby Ouija board. It comes in yeah. nice, cute pink carrying case and it has even has questions to ask you know like will i get married and will i silly little questions all these card things and so but the ouija board is it separate from the other forms of divination like you grew up with barry like you know when you did table tipping you did the glass swirling i've lost you then ronnie you still there Oh, well, there you go. Peace and quiet. We can talk oh, about his pink. Lost yeah. him, yeah. I don't, I don't no, know we talk about his pink there. Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's obviously been haunted by Barbie, hasn't it, or something? Well, um, there is a huge range of these boards available. Uh, you know, if you go onto eBay, there, there's handmade, there's carved in slate, there's plastic, there's there's this new springy one. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like something like a bo- yeah, it's like a bobblehead. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of other types of divination. Um, that that exist. I um, I think Ron was asking you about what are the, what are, what what are your thoughts on some of the other types of divination? No, actually, oh, here he is. He's back. He's again. back. I don't know what happened, but um, basically, what just I was just went asking, peaceful. It, it, did I just went dead? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just went peaceful. It went really peaceful. Yeah. Really, we, we was he, we was contemplating getting my Ouija board out to contact you. Yeah, there you go. That, that Many have tried. Questions. Many have tried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you, we, me and Steve were obviously just talking and he was asking my views in terms of other forms of divination. And, and do you know what? I always have views on, on many forms of divination because I think it's only as good as the people that are using it and also the seriousness of people using it. Because the amount of times when I've been to an event and you see people moving the Ouija board, you know, moving the planchette or pushing the glass and all these sort of things. And you think, well, you know, that's a real shame because... If you was to sit in a proper sort of physical seance or a proper ghost vigil, whatever you want to call it, you know, you would see some really, really good activity. And I think nowadays, you know, that people that come on events, number one, they want to see something. They want to be spooked. They probably nine out of ten times want to scare the partner or the friends who they've gone with. Um, And I think it's so important that they... They they go with an open mind, but also that you know they they just don't go with any preempted ideas of what's going to happen. Um, and any any sort of divination, whatever it is, whether it be a pendulum, whether it be you know glass moving, what, whatever you decide to use, you know, and the amount of things what I've seen people use before. I mean, I've even seen people use an EMS meter as a as a planchette before. You know, as all these sort of things that that make a difference. That's really interesting. My, my question earlier, though, is is when you grew up and uh, you dealt with, uh, you know, glass rolling, table tipping, did you do Ouija boards or was that just something it just wasn't uh, done or you didn't do? Let's put that well, no, I didn't, I didn't because I, I was probably, um, as I say, about 12 years of age when I did my first Ouija board. You know, and I remember, you know, my, my mum went absolutely ballistic at me, you know, for not protecting ourselves and things like that, you know. 
Um, wow. And I always remember, you know, I mean, it was the first time I'd ever done it, and we did it in a friend's house, and they they had a, a glass sort of cabinet in the lounge. Now, I remember the shelf actually come out of the cabinet and smashed on the floor. Oh, um, wow. And that was the first sort of experience I'd have had of ever using a Ouija board, you know, and for me that was, like, fascinating where everybody else was running around going, oh, no, we're possessed, we've got something haunting the house now. Um, you know, so I've always because I've been brought up with an open mind that basically it doesn't matter what tool you use, you will get some means of communication. And I suppose what we have to ask is when we say means of communication, what do we mean? Do we mean that we're, con we're communicating with a higher spirit or a higher realm? Or in some cases, are we, are we communicating with people's own minds or imaginations? And I think that's so important on events because the amount of times that people go with these preconceived ideas of what's going to happen, you know, and then they get themselves into such a fear factor that the fear actually starts creating things itself without anything physically happening in from a spiritual point of view. But, you know, the Ouija board for me, I, I always use money events and I love using the money events because I get some really good information through them at times. And I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of the time, if people are on the Ouija board, I can automatically stand behind them and I can link in and I can tell where they're going to go, who it's going to go to, who it is, what name's going to come through. And it must just be opening this doorway for me because it's such a clear channel that I just automatically just go into like giving information out straight away. Um, but I have to say also, as with, I can do exactly the same. Okay, so, we, we actually have the tunes, which means we have to take a break right now. Okay. We'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International with Mr. Steve Parsons and uh, Ron Kolick. And our very special guest is Gary John. And we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet, Parax, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, wherever. Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. That's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. The creepy, 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 creepy
mysterious and spooky. They all talk gobbledygooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like, uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Trick for me. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. Well, the beating of the heart stopped fairly. Oh, no, it's still going on, which means we're back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International with the very lovely pink and fluffy Van Helsing and me, just an ordinary, everyday run-of-the-mill ghost hunter. And our special guest tonight is medium Barry John. And before the break, we were talking about divination, but coming back from the break, we're going to ask Barry a question that's come up in the chat room. Uh, so, Barry, if you're ready to field this uh, this one from Stephen, can we ask Barry if he feels that people are now taking more responsibility for their own spiritual spirituality now, and do they feel that their spiritual development is more in their own hands? Do you know, I think, you know, we, we always have to be grateful of certain TV shows, because I think it opened up so many views of people and people's interest and fascination I think certainly people are more wanting to get involved in terms of spiritual and developing their spiritual awareness, let's call it that, because not everybody wants to be a medium, not everybody wants to give messages from the dead, not everybody wants to be a ghost hunter. And I think what it does is once you go down this pathway, I think certainly it makes people look within themselves at how they are as individuals. And it's almost, I suppose, a bit of a counselling situation, to say the truth, Steve, where they really um, start developing themselves and that's exactly what we do when we start looking at awareness and people get very confused when they talk about mediumship and how you develop abilities and the first stage is looking at yourself and understanding who you are and what sort of experiences you've had in your life and you know what sort of pathway you want to go on really um, but I think definitely you know I mean I as you can imagine, you know, we get people approaching us all the time wanting to develop, wanting to attend a workshop, wanting to know how to communicate with loved ones, wanting to come for a message, whatever it is. And, and I still think there's a huge fascination there by people. And that, for me, really shows that it, people are taking it more serious nowadays. 
And I think they always have, but I think what's done it is some of these new TV programs that have been out that have really emphasised it, where people think, yeah, I've got to have a go at this. I mean, how many people do we see on ghost hunts nowadays? <laughs> and every time we go, it's always new people, new people, new people. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant that new people come along. Um, and the way that I always say to people is, you know, when you go on one event, you know, you'll either love it or hate it. If you love it, you'll get hooked and you want to do the next one, the next one, the next one. If you don't like it and you don't enjoy it, then it's not for you. But that's no different to everyday life for people, is it, really? Um, so I think... Barry, certain... do you think... Fancy. It's all right, it's just that Skype's cutting in and out, so we're struggling a little bit tonight. But do you think that, that part of this resurgence of spiritualism, and it is a resurgence, I mean, it's gone uh, like the Ouija board through peaks and drops. Do yeah. you think part of this is uh, driven in some way by uh, the failings of... The mainstream religions, you know, to 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 fulfil these needs for spiritual development within people. Do, do you know? I mean, this this moves me on to a different subject now, and this is one where I always get into a bit of a battle with people. I I, I accept every religion. I'm not religious at all, and I come from a very religious background. You know, my mum was Church of uh, my mum was sorry Roman Catholic. My dad was Church of England. Um, but they never baptised any of us as children because they wanted us to choose our own belief. And for me, you know, I mean, I did get baptised into a belief, into a faith, but it didn't give me anything, you know, and it was almost the things that I believed in, I was almost told, well, you, sh you can't believe in that because that's not real. And it was like, well, wait a minute, You're, but you communicate, you pray, you thank, you sing, you know, whatever you do, you praise people that supposedly have passed over you know and and I found it quite difficult for me in terms of religion because it was almost as though everything that I believed as an individual and that's what I believe spirituality is for me it's what I believe it's not about a religion and you know people other people's views it's my views on how I want things to to feel for me um, but I think certainly you know people are probably moving away from religion nowadays you know and I think they people want I don't want to say people want guidance. People want comfort nowadays. You know, they want to know that if the loved one's passed over, that they're still there and they still care about them. And I don't always think that's what happens when they attend a religious service in some cases. Right. I, I know that uh, Stephen Scott was on the show last week, and he, he said he actually has a better relationship with his parents now that they're gone yeah. than when he was alive uh, because a lot of the baggage is gone. I guess that's the yeah. easiest way to say it. Have we lost it again? Am I still here? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I think, I think tonight Skype is possibly cemetery tripping with uh, your other co-host, Ron. Um, <laughs> it keeps tripping, it keeps tripping on and off, but we do have, uh, I think it's a return comment. Um, it, uh, is it a comment? Is it a question? Um, it's quite difficult. Uh, let's let's move on because I think it was I think it's just a chat in the chat room that okay. I'm confusing. One thing I did want to mention that Barry does uh, also do workshops and and you do readings as well. So I mean we haven't even yeah. given out his website yet. Can you 
Can you do that for us, Barry, and, and also yeah, tell yeah. us what's on it a little bit? Yeah, of course yeah, I can. I mean, you know, you can go and view the website. I mean, we, we obviously try and keep it as up-to-date as possible, but uh, it, it, you'll see on there there's things about biographies, there's things about readings, there's some of the magazines, there's some of the TV stuff that I've done in the past. Um, and it's www.barryjohn.com, and that's Barry with an I-E. Um, it's I think two R's. Can, yeah, two R's. Uh, and an IE. So, I mean, go on there, have a look by all means, guys, you know, and you can see some of the things what we get up to, you know. Um, and it is, for me, it is fascinating. You know, I love sharing experiences and knowledge with people, definitely. What I find intriguing, Barry, and if we can, if you don't mind, we can touch on it a little bit, is um, I, I, I regularly see you jetting off to very warm climes where, <laughs> it, it, I, is, is this actually associated with the mediumship? Because um, the Middle East isn't, isn't an area of the globe that, you know, I naturally associate with. You stole my with, question. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I would naturally associate with, uh, you know, spiritualism and spiritualist beliefs. Um, I've got to say there is a Or is huge... it just a holiday? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it's a little bit of both, really, for me, because obviously I have family out there, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe what fascination there is out there. And, I mean, a lot of it is obviously expats. A lot of it is people from all over the globe, as you can imagine. But I also have to say that a lot of the local people really do believe in this greatly, you know. And I, I have a regular client base that I see there you know people come to me for life coaching counseling etc numerous reasons um and there really is a fascination there and I mean some of the places that I've been to out there are just astonishing you know some really old sort of forts and being honest it's no different to here you know you have that mixed view all the time Mm -hmm. um obviously you know you don't want to publicize it too much out there because I, i have respect for their beliefs and their religion and i would never do anything to disrespect a religion Mm -hmm. um you know so i tend to leave it very much where people come to me not me going to people if that makes sense right so my question i guess is is more on the scientific end of it is is that you're in england which is like really crappy weather out there all the time uh, <laughs> and it's Aberford West trust me I know Aberford West very well <laughs> yeah, it is and, a bit and, rough out here <laughs> and then you go out to a, a climate that is totally different I mean you know England is I would say because it's an island and surrounded it, it's more arid um it's more there's more humidity there's more that type of stuff and then you go to a really dry climate is yes. is there a different with the spirit, I mean, is it easier to communicate? Harder to communicate? It, it, it makes absolutely no difference to me, Ron, at all. I mean, as, as you know, I've worked in America, I've worked in you know the Caribbean, I've worked in Europe, um, the Middle East. I go out there two, three times a year, and it doesn't matter. You know, spirit, okay. as I always say to people, will travel across water. You know, you do get um, you know good communication. I suppose, really, for me, when I go abroad. I find it easier to communicate because I've actually took myself away from my um, regular business here, you know, my everyday sort of business that I do. Um, and it, it helps me relax more. I have to say that. So then we go into the the next question that's asked the mediums forever since I've been doing this. And that is, OK, now you're in a foreign land. The spirits speak a different language. How do you communicate with them? <laughs> I love that question. I really do. Well, I gotta ask. You know, I mean, that's that's a question. You know. Oh yeah, gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, and people always, always ask it. But you know what? For me, 
it's never made any difference. You know, I still get the same interpretation through, you know, I'll still get the English version. And, and probably what happens, I don't know, probably it's people's uh, loved ones talk to my guides or my family in the spirit world who then translate it some way. But I've never had a problem communicating. Very often they will come out with phrases that are of the local sort of dialect. Um, you know, and it's really interesting when they come out with things like that, because I think, good God, I've never spoke that sort of language. So I wouldn't even know what the word meant, for instance. Um, so I just go with it. Do you know what? That's the main thing. I just go with it nowadays. I don't try and analyse it. I don't try and work with it. I just go with it and just think what comes through, it comes through. That makes good sense. I mean, that's what most people say, that, that it just, the spirit just connects with you somehow. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing is is you talked about uh, and this goes back to the Ouija board about what people doing the Ouija board and then you connect with the spirit easier is is that and you talked about opening a portal but is there possibly even combined energy where where the, there's uh, lots of thought trying to connect with spirits so therefore it makes it easier is that a possibility? Well, it is. I mean, it's a bit like when you do a, a you know, a demonstration, isn't it? A big theatre demonstration. You find really good communication comes through because you've got so many people there wanting a message, you know, loved ones there queuing up to give a message that it makes it quite sort of vibrant, you know. And I did a, an event on, um, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday last week, a, a demonstration. And, you know, I love when I work, I just go and go and go, you know, I just give and give and give. I don't stop for breath sometimes, you know, and I can have two or three different messages coming coming out at the same time for two or three different people. Um, and that's the way I enjoy working because it's not only is it giving people what they want, but it's almost entertaining for people because there's me trying to split myself into three a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and it is, it is quite a novelty, you know, I, and I enjoy that because I love – Whenever I do any event, whatever it is, whether it be a demonstration, whether it be a ghost on anything like that, I always try and bring a sense of humor into it because, yes, there's a very serious side in what we do. But actually, you know, you also want people to enjoy it as well. Right. Well, does that go back to the old spiritualist thought where raising the vibration, where, where you, you know, you would sing, you know, the Baptists, when they did the, you know, they do the ceremonies, they sing very loud and, and very thing to raise the vibration. And, and spiritualists and, and so many other religions will bang gongs or, or yeah. anything like that. Is that the same thing? Laughter raises the vibration? and it, it, it does. And I mean, gosh, I've had it on events before, you know, where nothing's happening. And what you say is, right, I don't know, you know, come on, let's all, let's all just sing or, or whatever, or I don't know, you do something, you know, and suddenly, you know, you start hearing taps around the room or knock, knocks around the room or people get suddenly pushed or touched. Um, and it does, it almost like starts wakening people up and there's nothing worse, is there? We've all been there, you know, when you're doing a ghost hunt at two and three o'clock in the morning and you're so yeah. tired, you know, everybody's just thinking, all I want to do is go home. You know, I don't care if somebody come and stood in front of me, I'm not bothered now, I want to go home. Um, and it's trying to keep people's interest all the time, isn't it? And, and actually making them enjoy it. So I'll always get them doing something. You know, I get them, you know, either singing or, or whistling or, you know, get them go all calling out at the same time just to keep people's fascination and interest. Um, and, and another thing on events, you know, one thing that I, I always get people to do is participate. You know, I don't all want it to be about me, me, me all the time because actually, you know what, I get bored of hearing my own voice at times um, and I actually want other people to get in and have a go. 
Okay, that that makes sense. I mean, the, Barry, the other. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm yeah, dominating. Go ahead. I, I, you brought it round to ghost hunting, uh, and yeah. a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Derek Acora on, who was perhaps I think almost instrumental in in create or. or giving people the idea that mediums uh, are involved in ghost hunts because, you know, traditionally mediums didn't tend to go to haunted buildings and didn't tend to lead groups of investigations. Uh, and I asked, I asked Derek whether there was, whether, you know, having a medium-led investigation was, was a, a better method or, or added, added value to the, to the investigation. And I know that you, you've also been on that show and you've also done ghost investigations. I mean, do you think that mediums have a role in ghost investigations, or are they are they sort of coming from their more traditional seance environments into a new realm for them? Um, well, for me, I mean, it's what I've always done, and I think there really is a valid position there for, let's say, a medium on an event. I mean, whenever I go, I always go as a bit of an investigator. You know, I'm very... As I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm one of these that I will analyse things, I'll look at things, see what's happening. But then also, you know, I'll walk into rooms and say, right, I know this is going to happen or we'll get this or I'll give them these names or whatever. And I think it's important because I've, I've heard and seen so many companies running events where literally they just have loads of people turn up and they don't know what to do. You know, they've got no organisation to it, you know, and, and when you've got a host there just running an event people don't know what they're meant to be doing you know they have a little bit of doubt in terms of are oh, we protected what's going to happen am I going to take somebody home what if somebody touches me what if I get scratched um, and we have to be really sensible about it and for me I think definitely yeah you want somebody there that can I don't want to say handle the situation but somebody there that's well aware of things that can happen and things that are happening as well um, just to open it up to people a little bit more but as I say, Steve, when I go on an event, I will go not only as a medium, but also as a, an investigator. And I almost try and withdraw a little bit so that, you know, I can analyse things that are happening and say, well, actually, no, I don't agree with that because that, I don't know, that door was open there or that window was open or whatever it was. But on the other hand, when things do happen, and I think, you know what, even I can't explain that, that's the bit that fascinates me even more because I have to be honest with people and say, I can't give you a reason why that's happened. You know, there'll be bumps, bangs, knocks, whatever things might move. And that's the open part where people have got to take away what they want from it and actually analyse it when it's happened. So I think, I think, yeah, definitely there's a role. Definitely there's a role. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's something that's always struck me as a little odd because, um, you know, I've, I've obviously I'm aware of mediums uh, yeah. and their, their, their history and, they they sort of intrinsically believe in the afterlife, in a spirit realm, um, a life beyond death, and yet they go ghost hunting, and all too often they look startled and surprised that there's something there. Um, you know, and traditionally they've always had their their seances, uh, their their uh, meetings, and their their direct communication, and yet. 10, 15 years ago, they started to hunt for ghosts, which always struck me as a little bit contradictory. Do you think? You see, for me, it's never, yeah. been, any, it's never been any different because, I mean, we used to live in some really old properties when we were younger, you know, as children and that. And it was never, it's never been any different for me. You know, it's, it's what I've always done. And, I mean, I, yeah. was, I was doing ghost hunts, you know, in, uh, and I hate calling them ghost hunts. It sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, 
but I was doing, you know, <laughs> events in the early 90s, you know, and that was even before, like, programmes like Most Haunted started coming to light. Um, you know, and it was where people would ring you up and say, we've got something in the house, will you come round and have a look? Or, you know, somebody had bought a shop and suddenly things started happening. And, you know, as a, as a, I don't want to say as fun, but as entertainment, you know, I used to go with a few friends and say, come on, let's go and see what we can find. Um, and people loved it, you know, absolutely loved it. And I think that the one thing that we all have to be thankful for is, you know, the TV has really made it a big market for everybody, really. Um, and people. Oh, I mean, you say you say thankful. I would I would actually argue the opposite uh, because, um, you know, from from my perspective, I think um, uh, these media and mass interest in paranormal investigating and groups of people going out to hunt for ghosts and I mean, it's, it's very much a social activity. And I I think from my perspective, it has destroyed. Um, serious psychical research because it's now extremely difficult to deal with a location that hasn't been badly contaminated yeah. um, by people trampling all over it and coming up with all sorts of wacko theories yeah. and indeed either charging a great deal of money or putting off the owners of the property from having any form of serious investigation done mm. um, so you know I, I would actually argue it's, it's done a great deal of damage I would agree with you in terms of what you've said about doing proper investigations, because I think you are so limited now to what you can actually do. Um, and one of the things I'm doing at the end of this month, very often what I'll do for friends is just book a location and we just go, not an organised night, it's just a night where you know I'll take a group of friends and off we go and we see what we get. And I think the days of serious ghost hunts, you know, of serious ghost hunts, don't exist that much now. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, in terms of um, what I would call psychical research yes. and objective investigation, I think it's almost dead in the water and yeah. has been for a number yeah. of years. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm cover from this, you know, 20 years ago, people would go out on a Saturday night to watch a horror movie with their friends and, you know, they'd eat popcorn. Now they go out and have curries, cakes and table tipping in a haunted location. Yeah. Um, it's more of an interactive, scary movie than a, than a ghost yeah. investigation. And, and I think the other thing, Steve, is, and, and, you know, you must have seen this as well, is some of the venues are just getting more and more excessively priced. Oh, ridiculously it's, priced. It's becoming, yeah, I mean, even if, even if me and you wanted to go and do a you know, a scientific research of a, a venue, you wouldn't be able to do it now because they, they just want copious amounts of money to do it. Well, I mean, to, this week our local castle, Pembroke Castle, yeah. um, has decided that they're going to do their first ghost investigation in eons. Um, and so they've hired in the local proven medium in their own advertising. Um, yeah. And what they're offering for your £30 is five hours, uh, but the first two hours of which are curry, cakes and a demonstration of mediumship followed by three hours of tramping around a dull, uh, cold, dark castle. Uh, £30 a head, 40 people, that's £1,200 for five hours. Mm. You know, it's, it's an outrageous amount of money. But, but, um, but, you, but you, and again, you must have come across this, I mean, I know venues out there. I mean, I, I did um, a programme quite a few years ago now in, in the north, let me say that, um, and one of the venues there, I remember, was two and a half thousand pounds a night wow. for three rooms. For three rooms, mm -hmm. that's all you got. Yeah, yeah. But you weren't allowed to go anywhere else. And and I mean, the only reason we got it was for obviously filming purposes. But 
it was like, do you know what? I'm sorry, but if you think that's going to draw people to you, it certainly won't. Mm. The thing we, is, we actually, though, now that that sort of price is is commonly paid. Um, it is. It is. And you know, another local castle here in Wales. I uh, when I first moved here uh, eight years ago, you could, for hundred pounds, you got the place to yourself, and you got the adjacent tidal mill, and you you know you had all of facilities. Now for three hundred and fifty pounds, you get. Uh, basically, some of the castle for a few hours. Yes, yeah. Um, so you know, it's rocketing up in price. We do yeah. have one question in the uh, chat room. I do want to get. Now we're one. ranting. We're ranting. We're, we want to. Rant. We're almost out of time. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, this is from uh, Kellyanne, and she says, uh, "Barry, do you have any connection with the Rosie Curie Rosicrucian? Rosicrucian. Thank you, Fellowship. Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. Not okay. at all. I mean, yeah, the, only, the only thing that I got heavily involved with, and it was quite a few years ago now, and, and for personal reasons over the last few years, I, I pulled away from quite a lot of things. Um, but I got heavily involved in physical mediumship, um, which, really? which really fascinates me. You know, that's, me too. That, that's something that really holds, like, something close to my heart. And I suppose really for me, you know, that's where I would want it to go again if possible. Um, but, you know, I'm always open to ideas. I don't mind. Physical I, I would love is, to is an area that I would like to see developed more. Me too. That's something I Definitely. would. I mean, that's right now. I'm really on. I mean, maybe there's something yeah. that that we can talk about in the future, or, uh, Barry. But I, I, I absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. Bring back ectoplasm. <laughs> Why not? You know what? Just uh, but right. you know, all the shows now. There it is. The doorbell pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to get going. But one quick question: There is such a interest in demonology now everybody's got demonology everybody's got demons and everybody's clearing and cleaning houses supposedly or exorcisms i mean first of all can that be done can you clean or clear a house of demons if they exist and and is that something you get involved with at all do do you know i mean there's a couple of things here number one Let's talk of house clearances and forget about demons for the time being. Okay. I believe that if somebody's there, they're there for a reason. You know, whoever that is, whether it's a loved one, whether it's somebody who used to live there, whoever, Amen. they're there for a reason. I believe that when they're ready to move on, they'll move on. The only thing that you can do is talk to them and say, don't do this, don't do that, don't try this. When we start talking of demons and demonology, do you know what? I have done so many events with mediums who as soon as they walk into a building, everything's demonic. Suddenly Amen. there's a, you know, there's demonic monks and everything else, nothing. Oh my God, here we go again. Um, you know, and I walk into these buildings and I think, you know what, this was somebody's home. It, it was never any sort of dark energy there or anything like that. And again, I think people do this a lot of the time for attention purposes. You know, I, I'm yet to be proven different, let me say that. And the amount, I, it's funny, the other day I had somebody contact me via Facebook who sent me all these pictures that there was a demon in the house and, you know, there was putting blood on their arms and scratching their arms and all these sort of things. And you really do have to be careful. You know, you have to be able to analyse it properly because you have to look at people's states of mind, mental conditions, health conditions. Is there something else there? So... Demonology for me is something that you know I keep away from because I have it my would, own views of it. 
We're going to have to leave it at that because we're right. just about out of time. Barry, John Bye-bye. has been with us. We want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. And we definitely have to talk about physical mediumship. Definitely. Anytime, guys. And you know where I am anytime either of you want to contact me for a bit of a natural or a chat. Thanks again. There anyway. you go. Thank you. So uh, from Ghost Chronicles, it's time to say goodbye. God bless and yep. good night. And join us next week when we're going to go blow up a ghost live. We are? Well, well, I've just thought about it. Now it's something to do for next week's show. Maybe I'll blow up you live. Maybe <laughs> Say goodnight, Ron. Goodnight, Ron. <laughs> goodnight, God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night.